Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our The Punisher and Deadpool episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended on last week's podcast. Those were two Punisher arcs, Mother Russia and Welcome Back Frank. Um, and you might notice that this podcast is arriving a day late. That's actually because I read the wrong Punisher comics. So I've read a whole 12 issues in addition to that. And I, I might briefly talk about that as well, because I might as well, right? Um, so sorry for the delay. We'll get to our Punisher stuff soon. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. And we alluded to this first item during our discussion of the Teen Titans a few weeks ago, but a live-action show based on DC's Teen Titans, which had been in development at TNT, was put into turnaround a few weeks back. However, that might not have actually killed the property, according to DC's answer to Kevin Feige, Jeff Johns. Um, We have plans for Titans, he said earlier this week. It's a huge piece of DC, and we have plans. So could that mean retooling the show for another network or a streaming platform? Or could there possibly be room for the Teen Titans in the movie universe? We'll have to wait and see, but for now you can watch the bonkers animated Teen Titans Go on Amazon Prime. And hopefully I can convince Seven James that it's a great idea to cover on a future podcast. Um, A brief bit of Marvel and Netflix news now, because Mike Coulter, aka Luke Cage, was giving an interview to Collider last week, and he revealed that the role of Danny Rand, Iron Fist, has already been cast. Now, it seems a lot safer, given what we've heard in the past few weeks, to assume that that character is very much part of Marvel and Netflix's plans now, and this seems to corroborate that. Um, names like Ryan Philippi were mentioned in relation to the role before, um, but it will be interesting to see whether Marvel and Netflix stick with a white actor for this role, or whether they'll do what I think a whole lot of the internet wants them to do, which is to reimagine him as Asian American. Our next piece of news, um, I've avoided talking about this movie so far um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, the property is kind of superhero and comic book adjacent, And two, 
I really couldn't care less about a Power Rangers movie, you guys. <laughs> really couldn't care less. Now, I was a really big fan as a kid. I had all the Zords. So I do kind of know what's going on in that world. I just, as an adult, don't care. However, this week, I saw a piece of news about the movie... Um, that finally got me a little bit interested because Elizabeth Banks has been cast as the movie's villain, Rita, which, from what I remember of Rita as a Power Rangers villain as a kid, seems like just the most perfect casting if ever I saw it. So, well done, Power Rangers. You have made me vaguely interested. Um, And let's see whether you can improve on that anymore in the coming months to the Marvel Universe again, and comedian Steve Agee has joined the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, according to, of all places, um, the Doug Benson podcast. Now, Agee is a friend of James Gunn's. Uh, He's worked with him before on Super and will appear in the Belko Experiment, which is the upcoming film that Gunn wrote and will produce. Um, There's no news on who he'll play in Guardians of the Galaxy, but... Wouldn't it be great if he was Star-Lord's dad? You know, just some intergalactic space bum that Peter could see he has the propensity to become if he takes the wrong path. Probably not, though. And finally, probably the biggest piece of news this week, the superhero crossover event that we've all been waiting for is actually going to happen. Grant Gustin's Barry Allen will be making an appearance on Supergirl on an episode that will air on March 28th. Now, that's all the details we have for now, so let the wild speculation begin. Um, So I think it's probably safe to assume that Barry and Kara don't exist on the same universe, given that we know that Superman exists on Supergirl's planet, and you'd think that either the Flash or Arrow would have mentioned him at some point if he existed on their world as well. So, can we expect to see the Flash visiting the parallel universe that Kara inhabits, Or could we possibly be seeing an alt-Barry Allen who exists on Supergirl's world already? Either of those possibilities would be fine by me, but honestly, I'll just be happy to see those two former Glee stars uniting on the screen. Ooh, musical episode. That would be great. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. Um, And we'll start off with Seb's recommendation, because um, that's slightly less messy. Um, Just in the respect that I found the issues that Seb recommended me, I went and read them, and no further confusion occurred. So Seb recommended um, Volume 3 from The Punisher Max, um, that's called Mother Russia, and this is from Garth Ennis and Dougie Braithwaite. Um... And so this is so this is obviously the the third arc in the Punisher Max continuity, which uh, Seb explained last week is kind of it it is true Punisher stories, but it it's set in um in not the mainstream Marvel universe. So there are slight differences to the character in in the way he's set up and the way he's established. Um, he's an older, more grizzled version of the character. And obviously, this is this is the Max imprint, which allowed Marvel to do lots more in the way of violence and swearing and sex. It's basically an eighteen-rated comic. Um, uh, it's from the same imprint that Alias is from, so it's it's got that kind of rough edge to it as well. So you see all of the violence pretty much up front, and you hear 
racist characters talking pretty upfrontly, flagrantly racist. And um, Nick Fury turns up and is talking about all the hookers he's going to bang in New York. And it's it's got all that kind of content in there. Um, which I, th- I think kind of feels appropriate for a Punisher comic. It... It, it didn't feel too gratuitous in a way that I was worried it might. It felt appropriate for the worldview that Frank Castle has. Um, that, you know, the world that causes him to act in the way that he does, it probably seems appropriate that that world refre- reflects his psyche as a anti-hero kind of hero. Um and so in this ish, in in this arc, um, Nick Fury comes and recruits Frank Castle to go on a mission in Russia for him. There is a six-year-old girl called Galena who has been infected with a virus, um, and subsequently the antidote. Um, and this is a virus that will kind of eat people's flesh completely away, and is very highly sought after by lots of military forces to use as chemical warfare. Now, the girl has both the virus and the antidote in her. So the antidote is destroying the virus, but the virus, if extracted from her blood, would still be able to be found within, like, the next 48 hours. So Frank Castle is sent by Nick Fury, who himself, in turn, has been recruited by the American military to do this. Um to retrieve the girl um, and then presumably it's on the surface to keep the virus from falling into the Russian military's hands or to stop them from being able to extract the virus and figure out how to recreate it now before they can do that. However... There is a twist in the tale that basically the Americans want the the virus for themselves as well. And they're not really interested in the welfare of this six-year-old girl. Um, And what transpires throughout the issues is that Nick Fury has essentially sent Frank Castle because he knows that he is one of the few men that is capable of going in and destroying all of these Russians that are trying to test the girl but also to remove her safely and to not let the virus get back into the American military's hands. And there's lots of shady government stuff going on, um, on on both sides. You kind of see it nakedly on the Russian side, but you also see this kind of subterfuge going on from the American government. So while Frank is doing what he's doing, because the Americans don't want the Russians to know that it's them who have been who who are sending someone in to get the virus they hijack a plane pretending to be an arab terrorist unit i think explicitly al qaeda um and this is a comic that came out in about 2004 and um basically hijack a plane and fly it towards um moscow Um, and uh, eventually the Russians shoot it down before it can do any damage. But obviously an entire passenger plane full of innocent people is destroyed. And that is all for the benefit of the Americans trying to cover up the fact that it's them that are trying to extract this virus. Um, So it's 
I think it's a really interesting way of exploring Frank Castle because you kind of take it as a given that he is this borderline psychotic murderer who for you know he has he has this way of doing things which is just to basically wipe everyone in his path out and it's interesting to put him up against kind of a collective that has less morals than he does and they would look at him and go oh god what a monster how is this man capable of doing what he does but actually his moral code is in a way more admirable than the one they've got and so doing a story like this allows you to explore that other side of a character um and i and i thought it was very interesting because you have all this horrible stuff going on and then you you have you have the opportunity to kind of almost gloss over the horrible stuff that Frank Frank does and explore that different side of his personality. So he is going to protect this girl and he is going to be disgusted by the actions of all of the governments that are surrounding him. Um, And also that it kind of reflects back on his military history as well. Um, and I was kind of a little bit of maybe three or four issues through this and was thinking, I'm I'm enjoying this, I'm enjoying the story, but it feels a lot more plot heavy than it does kind of a, as a character arc for Frank. But having said that, I'm not really sure that the Punisher is a character who can have a real arc. He He's already gone through his character arc. He is the end product of that. And so all that's left to do is to explore the personality of that guy that's left at the end. Um, and and this these six issues did that really well. And interacting with this six-year-old girl, Frank has flashbacks to his own daughter and his own daughter dying. And you can kind of see why he has these certain rules, but not other rules. Um, and yeah, it was it was really interesting in that respect. Um, it was also interesting all of the stuff that I said about kind of the the plane being hijacked and this being um, in, invoking Al Qaeda and this being post nine eleven. Even though it's kind of set up as a Russia and America and a kind of a potential for if things go wrong, the Cold War being something that could happen again if if this doesn't all go to plan. Um, but there's so much here that is feels so specifically post 9-11 and immediately post 9-11 and so much war on terror stuff. The fact that there are conspiracy theories and, um, and paranoia and, you know, global powers feeling each other out and feeling, you know having no qualms about going into other countries and taking action to try and get whatever leg up they can. Um, it it felt very specifically post 9-11 and it was very interesting reading something that had been obviously written in kind of the, the two or three years afterwards where all of that kind of stuff was at its peak. Um, and it, it in a way feels like a little a kind of a period piece, but obviously I don't think globally we've ever quite escaped the shadow of that, but it's, this is 
yeah, very specifically, it very specifically reads as from that era. And it was very interesting to look back at this comic through that prism. Um, so yeah, I would say I, I generally really enjoyed this. Um, there is um, a really great moment where it looks like Frank has been defeated and manages not to be. Um, because fr- from my exposure to The Punisher in the last few days, which has been like 30 issues of The Punisher, having never read any of it before, he very often, like, it seems very difficult to put something in front in front of him that is an actual threat and that is an actual there is some something or someone who will actually defeat him that he won't actually he seems bulletproof and he seems like he can overcome people so easily that you have to put some hard work into establishing that when someone comes at him there is actually going to be hard work that that person has a credible chance of winning um and they do that in that comic in in this comic and when frank does finally overcome it it's for me, it was actually surprising because I thought the comic was going to take a different turn at that point and that Frank was kind of screwed, but he was going to have to get out of the next situation. Um, and it's a, a really strong couple of pages at that point. So, yeah, I um, I enjoyed The Punisher Max a lot. Um, I'd be interesting on reading in reading some of the other arcs from it. That's Seb's recommendation out of the way. Um, and now to James's, which, as I've already mentioned, slightly more complicated. James recommended me the Welcome Back Frank um, arc of The Punisher, which is again from Garth Ennis, uh, but this time uh, with Steve Dillon, uh, which is from a couple of years earlier. Um, and here's where the confusion arose from. Um, there is a Punisher arc. This Punisher arc ran between 2000 and 2001, uh, ran for 12 issues, and um, then the series relaunched again after that 12 issues with another issue one in 2001. I then read the first 12 issues from that arc. So I've actually read Welcome Back Frank and the 12 issues that followed it. And they are kind of, it's all the same continuity. Um, it was just interesting reading it back to front. Um, and there was some some good stuff in the, in the second 12 issues. Um, it wasn't as self-contained. Um, there was kind of like two arcs and a couple of individual issues in there. So I'll mainly be talking about Welcome Back Frank, but I'll be bringing up a couple of things from uh, <laughs> from the other arc as well. Um, so yeah, Welcome Back Frank. Um, this is mostly, it is just one arc. And as James explained last week, this comes after the Frank Castle as an avenging angel arc of the Punisher. And there is uh, a reference to that in the first issue um, while the Punisher's kind of... It's kind of this kind of like wham-bam, Frank Castle's back in New York and he is tearing shit up and you just kind of have to accept that for a little bit, I guess. Um, And that he's kind of got his eye on one family in particular that he's that he's going to try and take down uh the Nuki family um and it's at the end of the first issue that he explains away his angel time he says i caught a glimpse of heaven once the angel showed me the idea was i'd kill for them clean up their mistakes on earth eventually redeem myself tried it didn't like it told them where to stick it 
and I <laughs> really enjoyed that. There's a little bit more, but I thought that was quite um, quite a succinct way of just going. Look, that happened, but forget about it. And in a in a very like nice Frank Castle kind of way. Um, so yeah, the these issues are mostly focused on the Punisher. T- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Breaking down this crime family kind of one person at a time, and the family at one point fighting back, sending people after Frank until he eventually defeats those people and is able to thwart the family once and for all. And if that sounds familiar, it's because this arc is pretty much what was adapted for The Punisher, the movie we spoke about last week, the Tom Jane movie, um, or the second half of that movie at least. Although it's not specifically Howard Saint. Um, and none of it is tied into the Punisher's origin, that the second half of that movie you can see very clearly is what they've taken from here. So you've got Bumpo and Dave and Joan, who are the three people he lives in an apartment complex with and kind of, against his will, kind of form some connection with them. Um, There is... um, the, the idea that the Punisher is taking down this one crime family one step at a time, um, that that crime family sends a hitman after him, which in this case is the Russian, as it is in the film, the kind of the big blonde guy in the red and white stripy shirt. And so much of it is actually lifted directly from the comic and put into the film. Um, and it's it's very strange seeing how it's successful in this 12-issue arc, and that it has this kind of weird tone that it is... It's very comedic. There is just absurd stuff happening from time to time. Like, the way the way that in the comic, the Punisher is able to defeat the Russian is instead of throwing hot fat in his face, he throws a hot pizza in his face, which kind of momentarily burns the Russian... 
the Punisher is then able to get him down onto the ground and then throws Bumpo on top of him. And Bumpo is so fat that the Russian suffocates underneath him. So that's kind of indicative of the tone. So it's kind of it kind of flails even more between the extreme violence and the comedy that the movie does. But it just handles it so much better and it works on the page. And now I wonder whether it's able to handle it so much better because it doesn't have a po-faced section preceding it which the movie has with all the origin stuff, and then suddenly goes, and now we're going to do part comedy, part serious. This has that tone from start to finish. Um, and also, it just it just seems to make more sense on the page. And I don't think that I, I would have felt that this tone would have been appropriate in The Punisher Max. And I think that has a lot to do with the art style as well. This art style is... So it, it feels very comic booky, and Frank is wearing um, kind of like a spandexy kind of costume, which he's not doing in the Punisher Max series. So he's got the skull, and he's got like a black from head to toe, and the big belt, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, and all the faces just look a lot more cartoony and so it it seems to kind of work and obviously because you're not seeing a lot of the violence in terms of blood and guts and impacts and all that kind of stuff it feels able to balance that kind of tone and I was laughing a lot of the time at how absurd some of it is and actually when you get past these first 12 issues um and go into what followed the next the next 12 that is even even more absurd in the kind of long stories that they have. Um, the Russian in those comics returns. He has had his head reattached to his body and he is, uh, because Frank also decapitates him, um, he has his head reattached to his body and he's kind of like now this cyborg warrior that Frank has to face off against. Um, there is also an arc where some taxi uh, some guy, some big fat guy who enjoys to have all his meetings naked, he likes, um, he decides that the way he's going to make money is to have taxis warring against each other in New York and fits all of these taxis with like really complex weaponry. Um, so that's some of the stuff that's happening in the next 12 issues. And it's kind of like a natural escalation. I say a natural escalation. It's an escalation of the comedic absurd stuff in the in the second 12 um but yeah so that again i feel like the the best parts of this comic are the moments where you're able to look at the punisher and look at his moral code in contrast with other people um and you're able to see glimpses of why the punisher isn't a pure villain and why certain people might be drawn to him. Uh, it's very interesting in this comic, there is um, there is a detective called Soap who is kind of tasked with bringing the Punisher down, except the reason he's tasked with it is because he's the least popular cop in the department and all of the other cops like the Punisher. He does their work for him. So they're all really keen on the Punisher just carrying on doing what he's doing. They've got no, no incentive to take that guy down. Um, and so you, you you kind of see why 
you can see even within the realms of the comics, some people are drawn to him and like what he's doing. You then get this kind of the relationship that he forms with the three people he lives with. And it's not even kind of their relationship with him so much or the way that they react to him. It really is more what how how he warms to them and he doesn't want to show it, but he kind of appreciates their humanity and it's kind of a glimpse of not everyone is a scumbag that needs to be killed because most people in these comics are but (laughs) that's that's quite nice to see that frank still can recognize good in other people um and then the the third thing that is really interesting that is running through kind of the background of these comics while while the punisher is taking down this main crime family is that there are three other kind of vigilantes who emerge in the wake of the Punisher's return to New York. Um, And there's one guy who basically is railing against um, CEOs of banks and like businesses that have screwed people over to one degree or another and kind of opens fire on a boardroom at one point. Um, there is a guy who lives in, I think, on the Upper East Side, and he lives in a nice neighbourhood, and he decides that there are less desirable elements starting to enter into his neighbourhood, and so goes out very well-dressed in a white suit and a white mask and shoots the drug dealers that come by or blows up a hot dog cart that tries to sell food in his neighbourhood. Um, and... Um, is basically keen on wiping out the poor. And then there's a third guy who is a priest who hears kind of flat-out criminals confessing murder to him in his confessional booth and drug dealing and all kinds of stuff and loses it and starts murdering them with an axe. Um, And eventually these three vigilantes kind of team up and go, hey, look, we all want the same thing. Wouldn't it be better if we joint forces and wouldn't it be the best if we could get the guy that inspired us all the punisher to kind of lead us and we can do what he wants us to do except you see you see kind of like frank's detachment is what kind of separates him from them he sees bad and like there is there is no sense of this being vengeance for what happened to his family he just sees people who are bad and that he needs to kill them because that is what's best. There's a great moment in one of the early issues where he kind of butts heads with Daredevil, um, and Daredevil is trying to... He is defending this criminal who is guilty of a lot of things, but the thing that he is being tried for, he was actually framed for, and Frank Castle can't abide that and decides to take him out. Daredevil tries to stop him doing that, And the Punisher manages to defeat him and basically puts a gun in Daredevil's hand and says, look, you've got two choices. You shoot me and kill me and you break your code or you stand here and you watch me killing this other guy and you also break your code. And Daredevil's like, that's that's not a choice. And he's like, that's the choice I face every day. And it's, it's a nice way of kind of getting you to see things from... The Punisher's perspective. I mean, it's not a perspective that I necessarily think anyone should really agree with. You know, there are tough choices, but there are also times where you, you know, you can try and do anything else to think around 
taking that choice. And I don't think we should view what Frank Castle's doing as heroic, particularly. Um, but he is the protagonist, and it helps to at least understand him and figure out what makes him tick. And so when he is when he is encountering these three vigilantes, these three other vigilantes who are kind of doing what he's doing, by the time he does meet them, you know exactly what's going to happen because Frank Castle sees murderers and he kills them. And he has a way of separating himself from that, but because he is so detached from it, it is not anything personal with him. It's just, I need to kill these people. With the other three, it is personal, and they aren't concerned with kind of protecting innocent life in their wake. Um, you know, there's one guy who's doing it selfishly for the sake of his neighbourhood. There's the, the priest axe murderer who is kind of just absolutely psychotic, and Frank kills them. And again, it's interesting to view that character through the prism of the three other characters. Um, and, and kind of understand what separates him from them. And like I say, not particularly condone it, but, you know, you you kind of... you kind of get that perspective on the lead character that you're following, which, um, which for me was beneficial because I thought I was going to struggle with the Punisher. I thought that, like, this is, no, this is not a character whose actions I... Like, I'm fully expecting when watching this character on Daredevil for me to firmly root for and side with Daredevil. Um, but this, the, these two arts, to me, if anything, have been proof that you can do interesting stuff with this character and that you don't particularly have to like or root for a character to find their story compelling. Um, there's just one more point I wanted to address, um, and this actually comes from uh, one of the issues that was in the second 12 <laughs> issues of The Punisher that I read um, and this is Frank's relationship with New York. Um, and I found it really interesting. I mean, first of all, that 9-11 happens in between or kind, kind of in between the first 12 issues, the Welcome Back Frank arc and this arc. Um, and also Frank I found it interesting the way that he talks about New York City and he talks about it in the Welcome Back Frank art with Joan about how kind of the city is dangerous and horrible or there are aspects of it that are and that she should get away from them but he shouldn't because he kind of likes it. He kind of likes the the nastiness of the city and he kind of likes being able to take that away. There is a sense that he does in a way enjoy what he's doing he never smiles there's one there's one panel i can't remember where, where in the run this lands where he's kind of like i can't i don't smile but if i did this is be this would be the moment and you see him stony faced looking at these villains that he's about to take out that he knows he's about to take out and kind of enjoying the facts that he's about to destroy them um so like I, I liked the aspect of Frank that kind of New York felt like his perfect home because he has this affection for it, but he also has an affection for the dark side of the city because it's there for him to take out. And the the kind of the nine eleven stuff kind of seeps into it, but there's also this there's also this um, conflict with Frank between the New York of today and the New York 
that existed kind of pre-Rudy Giuliani cleaning it up. And that's something that's always fascinated me. I wrote an essay at university about um, Taxi Driver and Manhattan and kind of the the way that we view New York as a city and the way that it's changed. Um, and so seeing that through the prism of Frank Castle was really interesting. Um, and I wanted, there was a single issue. This is issue six of the second six, 12 issues of The Punisher, um, which again are numbered one to 12. Um, and um, this was, it's called Do Not Fall in New York City. It's just a single one-off story um, where Frank is kind of dealing with this guy who has um, shot up his family after kind of losing it, but he's an old Vietnam buddy of, or an old war buddy of Frank Castle's. And Frank kind of sees it as he snapped years ago and it took this guy this long to snap. And Frank does eventually kill him because of what he's done, but he also has compassion for him. Um, But in this issue, uh, Frank talks about New York in the start, and I just thought I could read this out because um, I, I really enjoyed it. So this is all in voiceover from Frank Castle. Do not fall. Forget the things you've heard about the place, about the new New York. It means Times Square's like Disney World. It means Hell's Kitchen's called Clinton. It means the park is full of tourists. It doesn't mean they'll catch you when you fall. The old New York is waiting just below the surface. It's in the eyes of the clerk who denies your card, the bank manager who forecloses on your house, the surgeon who tells you your wife didn't make it. It's the discomfort and disgust that your misery awakens in them as they look away at anything but you. As they lock you out of the club, you're left standing thinking, hey, I thought I'd made it, but no one cares about you when you're damned. Um, And I I really enjoyed that. And... um, as much as I enjoyed Welcome Back Frank as a 12-issue whole, this was probably the one issue that I in, enjoyed the most uh, of all of them. And and that might be my affection and interest in New York as a city. Um, but again, it did some interesting stuff with Frank's morality and how he feels about things while he's going around and doing this. So yeah, I mean, I've talked for a, a very long time about The Punisher now, and that it probably is because I've spent the last couple of days reading 30 issues of the thing. But um, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed reading this character. Um, and Garth Ennis does some really superb work with um, making him relatable in both of these arcs. So yeah, I would I would give a thumbs up to both of these. Um, the second 12 issues of The Punisher, very erratic, even more bonkers. I'm not sure whether I would recommend those whole 12 issues, um, but definitely the that one issue that I just referenced in the middle there about New York is fantastic. So that is it for this week. Um, don't forget that the next episode of Cinematic Universe will be focused on Deadpool. Now, um, that episode's arrival is completely dependent on when Seb, James and I are able to see the film. We're hoping that we can get it to you as close to the release date, which is next Wednesday as possible. But it may it may be that it's Friday or Saturday at the latest also. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please do leave us a rating or review or head over to Patreon and back us there, um, and we'll give you a shout-out and a thank you on a future show. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com or through a film divider podcast at filmdivider.com. 
You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at CU underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. And actually, getting in touch on Facebook is something that one of our listeners did this week. Um, that was Nathan Holm, who um, commented on our Punisher post on Facebook and um, said that he was surprised that we didn't mention the short fan video, Dirty Laundry, in which Tom Jane reprises his role as the Punisher, um, which is on YouTube and I watched and uh, was was very entertaining. Um, I think it reaffirmed for me that... Um, Tom Jane, probably very capable of being a good Frank Castle, um, but struggles tonally <laughs> thanks to a lot of the other stuff that the that the main Punisher movie is doing. So yeah, if, you, if you're interested, um, you can see Tom Jane reprising his role as Frank Castle on YouTube. It's called Dirty Laundry, and thanks to Nathan for bringing that to our attention. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.